Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our consideration this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war any more. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So far the text. My dear friends in Christ, have you ever gone on a vacation where somewhere brand new, somewhere you've never been before? Maybe you would ask for some recommendations on where you should go. Or maybe, even if you don't really want recommendations, you get a bunch anyway. I remember one summer, I believe it was the summer before fifth grade, my family took a vacation to South Dakota. It was the only time we ever went out of state for a vacation. And we got a lot of recommendations. And I'd have to ask my dad, but I'm pretty sure we went to just about every place that was recommended to us. And the refrain was pretty predictable with those recommendations. You gotta see it. You can't miss it. If you're going there, you have to see fill in the blank. As you might imagine, results may vary. Not every stop was so great we couldn't miss it. Maybe some places we shouldn't have stopped anyway. Today, the prophet Isaiah issues us an invitation. But this invitation, you really can't miss. The invitation, come to the mountain of the Lord. Come to the most important place on earth. Come for the light of God's word. Come for the king who brings lasting peace. For a short five verses, there's a lot compacted in here. We had three different images. Jerusalem is raised to be the highest mountain on earth. Everyone from all over, the, all over the world comes to Jerusalem. And then we have world peace. Everyone puts down their weapons. You can understand that's a lot to take in. and You're wondering, what do we make of this? Well, to get our hands around these images, we first need to take a step back. In general, 
when we're reading these prophecies in the Old Testament, we need to remember that the prophets came in their own perspective in the Old Testament. And these prophecies, these visions, are like looking at God's plan of salvation like a mountain range. If you've ever gone hiking up through a mountain range, or maybe if you've just seen footage, you might know there's peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys, and it might take some going back and forth and around to get to the ultimate summit. But while you're looking from a distance, it all kind of blends together and looks just like one peak. So for Isaiah, these different images are easier for us in the New Testament to differentiate. We're a little bit closer. The picture is a little bit more clear for us. Now all of these images have to do with the coming of Christ, of our King. The astute listener may ask, which coming, first or second? And the answer to that question is much like the answer to a different question. What is Advent about? Is it about the first coming in the manger or the second coming in glory in the clouds? The answer is both. We have both of these in view. Today we're going to walk through these three attractions, you might say, Jerusalem being the most important place on earth, the word of God shedding light on the people who come, and the king who brings peace. Let's start with that first image, Jerusalem being raised. The point of the image is not so much that Jerusalem literally became higher than every place on earth. Last I checked it, it's still the same height as it's always been. Instead, this is in the sense of it being raised in prominence, that it becomes the most important place on earth. And for Isaiah's audience, that's kind of an amazing thing. Because, well, Israel wasn't doing too well. They weren't in the glory days anymore of David and Solomon when the kingdom was united and wealthy and had victory over all its enemies and people were visiting just to see what an amazing place it was. No, after Solomon, the kingdom is ripped in half. The northern kingdom during Isaiah's lifetime is taken away by Assyria and the southern kingdom is weak after fighting Assyria. So they might be wondering, how is this going to happen? How are we going to become so important once again? There may also have been a little pride when they heard that. Well, we should be the most important. We're the people of God, after all. This country should be more important than all the other Gentile nations. But there's a problem with that take, too. Turns out God's people were not so different from the nations that surrounded them. They didn't act very different from them either. To be sure, they had the temple, and there were the daily sacrifices and the worship associated with it, but it became outward lip service, day after day, 
with our hearts far from God. In this context of Isaiah stands as a warning to us as well. We have a church. We have a place where we hear the word of God. We have Bibles on our shelves. But we can't take it for granted. It's good to have the Bible on your shelf, but does it do you any good if it just sits and collects dust? It's good to be in church and hear the Word of God read out loud, but does that do you any good if you zone out? It's good to hear sermons, but do they benefit you if you don't consider them at all? Or just busy your mind with what you're going to do with the rest of the day? God gives us his word as a precious gift. And now in December, our minds all go to Christmas. And I want you to imagine. Imagine someone you love. Someone you would really want to get them a special gift. Maybe a spouse, or a parent, or a child, or a friend. And you put a lot of thought into it and effort or money, and you get them just the right thing, and it's wrapped, and it's under the tree, and when Christmas comes, they ignore it. They just walk by. That's a little weird. But it becomes more than weird, it becomes insulting if they walk by it day after day, and it just sits there. That's the way the Word of God is treated. If despite being surrounded by it, we stop our ears and refuse to listen. The amazing thing about God is that even when we reject his gifts, he is still a God who keeps on giving, who still loves us and continues to offer grace and keeps his promises. God promised here that Jerusalem would become the most important place on earth. And it did. Not because of God's people and what they had done, whether back then or here today, but because of what God did. Because God himself showed up. And unlike the temple's sacrifices, which had to be repeated over and over and over again, our Savior offered one sacrifice. And by his blood, he took away all sin. So that now it is this message, that Jesus has taken away all sin, that draws the Gentiles, that draws us into the church and brings us here. We come to the mountain of the Lord because it's the most important place. And into this second image, we come to the mountain of the Lord for the light of his word, so that we might learn his ways. For Isaiah, this image of the nation's coming was unthinkable, because for them, Israel was ethnic. You had to be a part of the chosen people, speak the chosen language, take part in the chosen worship. For the Gentiles to come in, that was an amazing, mind-blowing thing. So for the prophet Isaiah, 
It would be amazing to stand here today in this room and see it full of people worshiping his same God. And the message that brings us here is the same message that has always bring that has always brought God's people together. That we need the light of his word. That we need his way. This time of advent we hear the cry of John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And following in God's ways first and foremost means this, that we give up all the things we have hope in, whether it's our own righteousness and the things we do right and our own character, or maybe our hopes for a better world with this or that political candidate, all the dreams we have that could just fix the world, and to set those things down. Because we need a solution that gets to the root of the problem. We need the Word of God to show us the way. And here we stand like pilgrims in Jerusalem awaiting our Savior. And we find Him in the Word of God like in our Gospel this morning. But when we see Jesus enter Jerusalem, we see a humble king, a king who is not barking out orders from far away, but a king who is gentle, who comes riding on a donkey, a king who does not come resplendent in gold and purple finery, but he comes to be one of us, to suffer like us, to take up our problems and our sickness, our death, our sin. He does not have a scepter in his hand, but instead a cross of wood. And the only crown he wears is made of thorns. And this king comes to show us his way, that he saves us by his blood, and that he teaches us to live as he did in humility and compassion, seeing the needs of those around us, just as he had compassion on our need, our need to be saved from sin and death. And like any good king, he does not leave us alone, but he stands with us on the front lines, that when we're bewildered and we have all kinds of questions about this life and how things are supposed to work out, he assures us that he still loves us, that he's still with us, that his word is still powerful. I know it's hard to see the word of God as powerful, especially when you talk to some of the older generations. I've heard stories, the country used to seem different. Children and grandchildren walk away from the faith. It makes us ask, why? Makes it seem like the word is not so powerful as it once was. But Jesus is still saving souls. And the word of God, which gives us life today, is still just as powerful and amazing as it was for Isaiah to imagine a room like this. And the font where babies are baptized into his name 
that is no less a miracle that they have faith. That you are preserved in this faith is no less a miracle. And so as we consider those who we might want to be brought or brought back into the family of God, we have no reason to doubt that God could not do it. Whether it's a coworker or a family member who has gone astray, the word of the Lord that goes out from Jerusalem is still just as powerful. And this brings us to the third attraction, to this King of Peace. This one might be the most amazing picture. Imagine a king who can actually bring an end to all wars. Can you imagine someone in our country running on that platform? I will bring about world peace. Okay, sure. I think that's how most of us would respond. But unlike any other earthly king, unlike any mastermind politician, when Jesus makes a promise, he's honest and he can keep it. And Jesus brings us peace. We're walking towards that peace in Advent as we come closer and closer to the manger, where on that night the angels sang, Peace to his people on earth. That our Savior Jesus Christ has broken the division between God and man. As the curtain was torn in the temple, so it is torn the division between us and God. And the division between Jew and Gentile is torn. And this has brought about peace for all of us. It is a peace that is for the whole world. But I know, I know it doesn't always look like it. Maybe when I say peace for the world, your mind flashes to Ukraine or to the Middle East. Sometimes it doesn't look so much like Jesus Christ is in charge of everything. But we again remember that Jesus Christ deals with us in a humble way. That if, as in that Isaiah 64 reading, he were simply to tear the heavens open and come down in all his glory, it would burn away the whole earth and all of us with it. So he came in his own humble way. And he still comes in his own humble way today with the words that we read with the baptism we remember, and with the body and blood of Jesus that touches your lips, may look just like a handful of water, some bread and wine, some words on a page, but this is the peace that lasts forever. We are journeying towards this mountain of the Lord, awaiting our time at the summit, that when we get to the top, then we get to see the fullness of peace, the end of all war, which here is described as weapons being beaten into farm instruments. You could imagine it like someone taking a sword, or maybe today a rifle and wondering, what am I supposed to do with this? How do I use this thing in a garden? The thought and memory of war will be so far that we won't even be able to consider it anymore. That is the kind of peace that Jesus brings.
when he comes again, that we are also looking forward to this Advent season. But we're not there yet. And we still have to wind our way up and down through the peaks and valleys. And it gets confusing and hard. Why the path goes this way and not that way? Why does this relative die and that one walk away from the faith? And why are the finances hard and the earthly problems just pile up? But this is still the mountain where God saves his people where God takes care of his people, where his word goes out to comfort your hearts and minds and assure you God is still good. God is still keeping his promises. Jesus Christ will come again. Finally, my dear friends, my encouragement to you this Advent season is to stop and listen to drop everything and take it all in. I know it gets real busy between here and Christmas. Believe me, between four papers, quizzes, tests, all of it, I get it. But even so, our time in church, whether it's here on Sunday, or in the midweek services, or in devotions at home, or a time to get away from all the hustle and bustle all of the shopping and preparations and family planning, to listen to what God has to say, to remember that in the midst of all of it, Jesus Christ is still your God. Jesus Christ still loves you. Jesus Christ will come again and take away all of our pain and all of our sorrow. So dear friends, hear this invitation. Come to the mountain of the Lord. Come to the most important place on earth where you hear the word of the Lord. Come for the light of his word. Come for the only king who can give you lasting peace. And in the name of Jesus, amen.